The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all other purchases. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. When I think about what went down last night, it was very, very telling. The Lakers are an impressive team, even though the record isn't that good. And at one point, they were kind of milling around 500. But I find them impressive because... There are young teams in the league that are young, and some of the guys aren't that good, and there's not really, you know, how many of them are really in the rotation. And then there's a team like the Lakers where you go, maybe there's a chance that two or three of these players could be pretty good. Maybe it's just two, maybe it ends up just being one. But the Lakers are not an easy team to coach because there's about seven or eight guys that have not reached their NBA identity. So that means that probably seven or eight players on that team think they're all going to be all-stars because they're young kids. And because they're so young, they haven't accepted some of their shortcomings. And the, and the reality is in the NBA, half of them are going to be really disappointed about their careers and maybe disappointed about their next contract. But right now, they're still kind of living in that delusional young phase that's always so fun. I mean, it's like an endorphin. You're like, man, I'm awesome. I'm young, and I'm going to be great. I'm going to be an all-star. I'm probably in the Hall of Fame. But it doesn't work out that way. But that team is loaded with a bunch of guys who – are trying to figure out who they are. When you have a rebuilding team, it's really hard to have just a bunch of guys on rookie contracts because they're all freaking out. They haven't accepted their plight that, you know what, you're probably going to be a bench guy. You might even be in the G League a little bit. And that's okay. You know what I mean? It's it's great to be confident. It's great to have expectations for yourself. But the Lakers are that group. And Luke Walton still has them playing really good defense. And he still has them in a lot of games. And, you know, look, it comes to winning time. The veteran team, unless they completely go down their leg, they're going to pull away from you and win the game. That's exactly what happened last night with the Cavs and Lakers. Exactly what happened. But afterwards, everybody was freaking out because LeBron pulled the old shirt over the mouth and started talking to Lonzo, and then Lonzo didn't know, like, hey, am I supposed to do it too so nobody can see what I'm saying? And they start doing that, and it's kind of like the pitcher at the mound deal with the hand over, the glove over, or the guy that has the call sheet on the sideline where he's doing it in front of his face, and everyone wants to know what the hell they talked about. LeBron was asked about it. Three of the things that you said about Lonzo, is, is that why it was so important for you to have that post-game chat with him after the game? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you be mentoring him or giving him any advice? None of y'all business. <laughs> Thanks, LeBron. Thanks, everybody. None of y'all business. None of y'all business. None. Okay. Here's the deal. I've seen all sorts of people talking about this day. I've seen graphics. This is a first take freakout, right? Because they already have a Lakers poll up. LeBron on the Lakers. Can they beat the Warriors? 39% of you say yes. I was interested. I was clicking on all this stuff. But we know what he was doing. There's this thing that happens with older players that are the great ones. The great players in their sport. And Kobe did this a little bit too, where he felt the need to just all of a sudden be an old guy. You know, he just wanted to be old. He wanted to start going, well, you know, these knees, we'll see if they work. You know, I got to make sure I talk to this guy. And then everybody starts kind of laughing at your jokes and that whole deal. Like all of a sudden you are the old guy at the barbershop and you, you almost like want to be that guy. And I'm not saying LeBron is there yet because he's still just too awesome of a player, but he feels the need. He almost feels as part of his responsibility as the best player in the league, the best player in the world, to go up and talk to these dudes. And it could have been a bunch of different things. It probably wasn't about the Jedi movie, but, you know, hey, man, keep doing your thing. Don't worry about all the haters. Everybody's got something to say. Everybody, you know, look, man, don't worry. You know, you keep doing your thing. You know, be aggressive. Rebounds, assists. Remember when we used to have that thing with Jordan when he was talking to like a very young Mello because Mello was the man for the Jordan brand? 
And Jordan be sitting there. I tell him all the time, rebounds, assists, rebounds, assists. You can get points, but rebounds, assists. Like, that's all really this stuff was. Do you honestly think that this means, hey, man, uh, I'm probably going to sign with the Lakers, and I wanted to wait until after the game was over tonight to see how you looked, and I like your rotations, and, you know, maybe you guys move on from Randall and get Clarkson out of there. I'm in. Of course not. And if it was going to be so private and it was so important, he probably wouldn't have done it in front of 18,000 people inside of an arena. It was a moment where James allows himself to look, because I don't think that it's malicious, I don't think he's misleading here, but he wants us to see him showing a younger dude, hey, you know what, proud of you, keep doing your thing, boom, boom, boom. And Jordan, excuse me, Jordan, LeBron likes this stuff. LeBron, again, asked more about Lonzo and the whole deal. I don't see the reaction because I don't get involved in it. Um, you, see it all, the, you see it all, You see it all. reaction. Uh, I do it because he's said over and over since he was growing up and who he modeled his game after. And who, we, who was his favorite player, and it was me, and I was humbled by that. So me wishing him a happy birthday was kind of the salute back to him. You know, I see I see all the, you know, the stupid noise that happens, and, you know, I can't. I buy a place in LA. I can't live in LA. You know, it's it's, it's funny noise, and um, <clears throat> but I don't get involved in it because I don't. When I post things, I don't look at comments. That's, I'm so far removed of uh, you know the white noise and the noise that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, all right, but that's another thing that you do too. When you're famous, you're like, oh, I never pay attention to that white noise. It doesn't matter. He checks out all that stuff too. Who is he kidding? Because he talks about his use or non-use of social media when he goes zero dark twenty three thirty or zero dark thirty twenty three. I always get confused on that. Rosillo Show, it's ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save hundreds on your car, business, or recreational vehicle insurance from a local independent agent. Go to Progressive.com today. Now that's Progressive. The point of this whole thing is that it's a general point. Him talking to Lonzo is nothing more than what I've already explained it to you as. Okay? It doesn't mean he's now more likely to go to the Lakers. And I actually still think, as we talked with Woj yesterday, where Woj was like, you actually think his dad's a positive? If you did a pro-con list on LeBron going to the Lakers, he'd go, yeah, LeVar mouthing off all the time. Pro. No, that's not how that would work. But there are times where we use evidence of someone saying something about somebody else as a reason to bolster our argument. Kaepernick should have a job in the NFL. Okay, I believe that. I thought he would be with the team at some point. That's not what worked out. He should have a job. Tom Brady was asked about it with our great, great partners, so supportive, EEI up in Boston, where he was asked about Kaepernick and what did you think Brady was going to say? Colin Kaepernick, do you think he can play again in the NFL? I sure hope so. You know, I've always watched him and admired him, uh, the way that he's played. He, you know, was a great young quarterback. He came to our stadium and beat us and took his team to the Super Bowl um, in 2012. You know, he accomplished a lot in the pros as a player, and he's certainly qualified, and I hope he gets a shot. I read an article about Kaepernick not having a job that cited that Brady quote as saying, look at Brady, he's the GOAT, and even he thinks Kaepernick should have a job. What did you think Brady was going to say? Romo was asked about Dak Prescott replacing him. I'm not going to allow this situation to negatively affect Dak or this football team by becoming a constant distraction. I think uh, I think Dak knows that I have his back, and I think I know that he has mine. Ultimately, it's about the team what we've preached our entire lives i can't believe this guy benched like i can't believe i got benched for this guy okay romo very clearly is saying so but you would never go like hey even romo thinks that he should have been benched for Dak. so the, the general point that i'm trying to make here is that there are all these examples of little things that we try to piece all of this information out of 
And for the most part, it's the most obvious stuff. Clearly, LeBron, in that moment against the guy we've talked about all of the time, was going to take that moment to have the cameras on him, showing him mentoring a young rookie in Lonzo Ball who has to deal with a ton of stuff. And the conversation was irrelevant. It was predictable. And it doesn't mean anything about LeBron's future, much like whenever you listen to some of these other guys talk about things, they say the obvious thing. They say the easiest answer, the least offensive answer, and it doesn't actually strengthen your argument, especially if you think now this means LeBron's packing up and moving out west. The Ryan Rosillo Show. He was nominated for 38 Grammy Awards and had five Billboard number one hits. And he was a heralded five foot two sixth man in Minnesota high school hoops. He's a short guy, but he actually had a really good jump shot. But you probably didn't know he spent $95,000 a month renting an NBA player's house in Bel Air and ruined it. He took out all the furniture, including the carpets, and put them in storage. And then he, he redecorated the house with his stuff. Carpets, beds, furniture, massage tables. You know, disco balls, the whole nine. It's the sit-down with former NBA All-Star Carlos Boozer on being Prince's landlord. So Prince wants to rent your house, Boozer. Tell me about the start of that. Like, I know you didn't really want to rent it. How did this whole thing start off? Yeah, I just uh, I just bought my house, my first uh, my first house in L.A. It was massive, like eighteen thousand square feet in uh, Bel Air and uh, Beverly Hills in Bel Air and. I get a call from my real estate agent, and she's like, "Hey, I know you're going to Utah for the season. Um, I have I, I'm getting a lot of calls about renting your house." And I was like, "Nah, you know, I haven't even lived there. I've just spent one night there. I'm not renting my house out." So she goes, "Okay." About a month goes by, and she gets a phone call from a very persistent person, um, and goes, "Hey, uh, my client has been to this house before. When it was with the previous owner. He loves this house, and he wants to rent it out for for a year for ninety five grand." A month. So my realtor calls me. She can't. She can't not present this offer to me. And I said ninety five grand a month. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be at Utah for about seven, eight months. You know, playoffs. Maybe we do well and make it to the finals or whatever. You know, we can win it up. No problem, right? <laughs> it ends up be, so. It ends up being Prince. And obviously, you know, plenty of you know plenty of music for him. My parents are huge fans. I, I became a fan as I got older. I watched Purple Rain and a couple of movies, so I was like, "This is awesome! I'm gonna fly out there for the, uh, you know, for the signing." So I fly out to LA. It's a short flight from Utah. Um, coming to the house, and he's a huge basketball fan, as you guys probably already know. Huge basketball fan. Um, followed my career a little bit, and uh, thought we had a good, a decent team in Utah. Uh, and it was the, the 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 house had a basketball court on the roof, and so. We went up there and we shot for like half an hour. And he actually had a, he's a short guy, but he actually had a really good jump shot. So wait a minute, um, he's coming to like check out the house and you want to meet him because he's renting your house and you guys are shooting around. Yeah, like we go, we, obviously I'm showing him the house. He already seen it before because the previous owner was like a, a part uh, owner of Interscope Records or something like that. Okay. So he had been there before for some gatherings. And so he goes like, can we go up to the court? And I go, yeah. So he goes to the you know, he starts dribbling the ball around. He starts shooting a little bit. We're shooting, just shooting the breeze. He's talking about Michael Jordan and Kobe. Like, you know, it's Kobe with everybody than Michael Jordan, blah, 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 because he's a crazy Jordan fan. But he also respected Kobe a great deal. And, uh, you know, he rents the clip out. Let me get to the juicy part of the story. So that year I had tore my hamstring up pretty bad. I, I, I tore it like two or three times in a row over like a two or three-month period. 
And so one of the best uh, physical therapists named Judy Cito, who lives out in L.A., so I'm coming to L.A. to go see Judy Cito to work on my hamstring and see if I can get right so I can you know, get ready for the playoffs or what have you. And I come to the, I'm calling, I'm calling Prince up, he's not picking up his phone. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to stop by the house. If you need anything, let me know, blah, blah, blah. Don't hear from him. I come up to the house, and uh, I don't recognize the gate. The gate was like a 12-foot gate. It had two gold lines on it when I bought the house. When I got there, there was this, there was this like, symbol, which I wasn't very familiar with. There was a symbol on the gate. And I'm like, if I come to the right address, like, I'm, this is my house, right? So I'm driving up and down the street, like, what's, where's my house at? And so I realized this is the house, and my gate has been changed. So uh, I put the code in, the code works. I, I go in the driveway, and as I'm driving up the driveway, everything is painted. It was like a creamy kind of an Italian cream kind of color. The whole outdoor was painted purple. And I'm like, what? I'm getting, like, as I'm driving up the driveway, I'm getting more and more, like, upset so i get to the i get to the stair i had a really like gigantic staircase like like leading up to the to the front doors and there's this huge purple rug that goes over this italian marble floors um and it's a bit it's it's his symbol which i didn't know was his symbol until that day um i, I just don't know him as prince and now i realize that he had he's a symbol now yeah he changed his name to a symbol right i had no idea any of that so um but I learned that day. <laughs> I learned that day. And the whole rug is, I go inside the house. He rips out all the carpet. The whole carpet is black carpet. Everything in the house is purple. He has a purple bed. He has purple uh, sheets. He has, he changed my, took my couches out. Uh, the couches were black and purple. Um, he changed one room. I think it was 10 bedrooms in the house. He changed one room into a salon, like a hair salon. Like a full-time hair salon. Full time, full time hair salon, like what you would see, um, you know, your your wife or your girlfriend go to. Absolutely. And how mad are you? The, uh, I was I was furious because it's something that we never talked about. So I'm really upset. Like what happened to my house? My house got demolished. You know, you can imagine like you go into your crib just to you know stop by and see anything, maybe pick up some stuff or whatever, and it's literally not your crib anymore. <laughs> so I'm walking around. The, I mean. We're going to have a debate about this one sure in a second. But I'm walking around the house, and there's more changes. So I had an awesome weight room. We turned the weight room into a nightclub with a disco ball, which actually I thought was pretty cool, to be honest. I, I never saw that before in the house, so I thought it was pretty awesome. But, um, yeah, he just basically changed the whole house. He basically what he did was he, he stored all my stuff, furniture, everything, put it in storage, and he brought all of his stuff into the house. So let me just tell you, let me just tell you how wealthy – Prince was, may he rest in peace. He rented my house out for almost a million dollars for the year. He took out all of them. I had a 18,000 square foot home that was fully furnished, 10, 10 bedrooms, a guest house, the whole nine, two or three living rooms. He took out all the furniture, including the carpets, by the way, and put them in storage. And then he, he redecorated the house with his stuff, carpets, beds, furniture, uh, massage tables, you know, disco balls, the whole nine, and puts in a storage. So I'm I'm calling him like P. I said I said Prince, listen man, like I'm really I'm really upset, like I'm bothered, I, I can't get a hold of you. Like you're leaving him messages. Like, I'm leaving a message on the phone that I had for him. I, I'm sure he had multiple phones or whatever. But I come to find out, I'm 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 getting ready to sue him because I can't get a hold of him. this guy's like. 
turn my house into something else that I wasn't I wasn't comfortable with. And I'm getting ready to sue him, and I get a phone call from some other number, and it's him. And he's like, "Hey," he goes, "Hey, booze, I'm in I'm in I'm in Asia uh, touring." And I, I didn't even know this. I, I'm in Asia touring, and the, the album, he had an album called 3121, and he went, he went in my house out to get inspiration. So he, he filmed the whole, like, did the whole, if you look at the CD cover for that for that 3121 album, it's my house. The whole thing is my house. Um, anyway, he was on tour in Japan. He calls me. He goes, hey, I got your message, man. I've been traveling and, and doing my thing. And he goes, don't worry. The house will be exactly how it was. Before I moved in, when you get the keys back at the at the end of my lease, he goes, "I'm gonna wire you. I'm gonna wire you 500 grand. Keep it in your account, and then when you when you when you come check on the property after I move out, you can wire me the money back. This is just to make you feel better." And I'm like, I'm I'm like, okay, you know, I, I trust his word. You know, he's Prince. I, you know, what did he sound like on the phone? Time. Was he funny? Was he was he like soft spoken? He was, he was well. And this and this moment because I, this is the only time this is the only conversation we had over the phone. He was very calm. Like he was like, look, don't worry. Uh, I know the house doesn't look like, you know, uh, your house, but he wanted he wanted the house to feel like it was his. And so when his guests came over, they felt like it was his house. And I get that, you know, 95 grand a month. I mean, really, he's able to do whatever he wants to the house. But um, also, as the owner of the property, you should you should at least give me a heads up that you're going to make some, sure. some, some, you know, some, yeah, like, let me make some changes for the crib. But um, he was very calm and he was very, uh, he's having a good time. I mean, I heard a lot of people around him. He might call me from. After party or something, but long story short is when I when, when he moved out, it was like he was never there. Everything the theater room was back in place, the weight room was back in place. There was no massage tables. There was no I could have kept the massage tables. There was there was no hair salon. Um, all my carpet was back in. Uh, it was it was like he was never there. Like if I had never saw if I had never got hurt my hamstring, I would never have seen it that that he had changed everything in the purple. So. Um, may he rest in peace, but he was great, man. I, I caught up with him a couple of times later in New York at a couple of restaurants. Last time I saw him was at, uh, All-Star Weekend in New York a couple of years ago. He had performed at, at the Jordan party. It was like the 30 year anniversary for MJ. Um, or maybe longer than that, 30 year anniversary for MJ. And he performed at that, uh, at that party. So. Wow. It all worked but out. He was a good dude, man. Yeah. yeah all worked out. He was a good dude. Loved basketball, you know. That's, and once upon a time, he went in my house. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm going to look at that CD now. I'm going to check that out. Hey, Booz, yeah. I really appreciate it, man. That's a great story. I'm glad we could share it with everybody. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. Anytime. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on homeowner's insurance. Because home is more than just a place. 
Home is where you build a giant pillow fort in your living room. And when people ask why you have a pillow fort in your living room, you say it's for your dog. And when they ask, well, what kind? You say, mm, chocolate lab. And we have a web of lies that's almost as intricate as the crown molding in Fort Pillow. The Geico Insurance Agency could help protect the pillow soft fortress you call home. Call Geico and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowners insurance. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Rossillo. Vilma's here. The first thing he does, he goes, what did you do last week? What did you do? Where, where are we at record-wise? And uh, I went four and one, so we're close. We're yeah. close on this deal, but we're going to have to do have another perfect week again. We're not really cl- You're four under 500. And you're 500. I'm one up. Okay. All right. Yeah, so that's what I said. I just have to have another great week, and you have a bad one, and then it's going to turn like that. It's not possible. If, if, I'm, look, a, if I'm I, a closer. No, what I would do is just copy your pick so there's no way I can lose. <laughs> then I'll wait until you leave, and then I'll go back. I'll come back and change him on you. So that means two hours of Jonathan Vilma already giving me a hard time. Yes. We got Vince Wilford calling into the show. Big we have Jalen Rose calling into the show. We have Damian Woody in studio, so you and him can do like instead of the linebacker. What were you guys doing at like backer chapter? Or what were you guys calling it? You backer and Bruce chapter. I mean, I, you just made it sound so cheesy and corny. Yeah, man. but I, I think you said it, man. So that's I did not, not my say fault. backer chapter. I did not. What did you and Bruce? I don't know what we called it. It was it was. Good. You said it something like it was backer something, backer something. I don't know what we called it. But Woody, I saw him Wednesday wearing an ugly, ugly, ugly Boston College sweater. So we're definitely going to have to talk about that. I know he's a Boston College guy, but ew. God. Yeah, don't you like, – yeah. come on. Can't you guys let anything rest down in Miami? No. Like he's wearing a BC sweatshirt. No. He feels he feels good about no. his Eagles. No, what, listen. You know, you know what always bothers me? I Obviously a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> aside from that. Aside from the, everything. The Boston College thing that bothers me. Yeah. Anytime you – pull up anything good about Boston College. Anybody ever mentions anything good about Boston College, what what do they say? You already know what I'm gonna say. What do they what do they talk about? Um probably the lacrosse team. Yeah. No, right. uh Flutie to Phelan. Exactly. And who was that on? Miami. And oh, they, it's, that's right. It's like yeah, <laughs> stop it. It's like thirty two years by the way, old you, by the way. Um almost. It got killed by Clemson. Almost. I don't. So wait, I mean, are you serious? We made like three movies about you guys. We yeah. made we, like the Thirty for Thirty series could be brought to you by the U. I, I, you guys yes. are on nonstop again. Like every time I turn my TV back on, yes, I see you guys. I'm so sick of all of you dudes. Why? Why are you sick of us? Because why? it's always the same stuff. Like if you guys can brag okay. about all the crap that you did and all the stuff that was in the gray areas, <laughs> and that you were the outlaws, and that you were thugs, and then as soon as anybody else says that you were a thug. Then we're all jerks and we're racist and we don't get it. Like you guys wait, are so what? Like wait. you don't care if right, right. you embrace all of it. I'm I, hot. No, I'm ready to go, Vilma. <laughs> I you see come that. in here. You start you, pushing you, me around. Wait, no way. No. I'm pushing. <laughs> Rosillo. Get this. <laughs> Where did this come from, Ryan? Because I saw you last night in the you invented swagger T-shirt yes. with the big chain on, talking about one of your we teammates did. accused. The, the state of Florida of tearing oh down the Orange Bowl to erase the memory of hurricane football. That could or, possibly be true. Or to increase revenues <laughs> in a new stadium. That could possibly be true. I don't even know what we were starting the show with today. I don't know. I, Rudy, what did I get into? Like, what, What's going on? Is this months of pent-up aggression? Clearly, I was just annoyed that 
anytime you think of Boston College and football, you hear of the Flutie Hail Mary, and then Miami's associated with that. that was, that's where I was I coming think from. historically, you guys are up on BC. I'm not, so. I, I'm not I'm not a researcher w- by trade, saying, but I think you got him. I would just like that they would let that highlight <laughs> die. That's all. <laughs> that's it. Just let you that highlight die. You have so many die. other highlights. That's fine. Just let that one die. 32 years. Just let it die. Let it go. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's just, come on, man. What else is BC going to run? Uh, Beer Brom highlights? Lacrosse. Lacrosse. They're uh, really good they, at lacrosse. They beat, they did beat UNC that year. I don't know if Serge Jwicker was on that team. It may have been Montrose. See? Uh, all right. All right. I promise we won't do any fluty stuff today on the show. Uh, we weren't going to do we anything regardless. I'm sorry about my U rant. I've <laughs> it's done okay. That. You know what? I like it. You are not the first to go on a U rant in front of me and, uh, vent your displaced anger. That's all. That, that's all it really <laughs> no, is. No, it's not displaced. It's just it's very displaced. I f- I feel like the the movies about the U, although very good, and, and I like and mostly, very true and very true. Okay. It's just it's kind of one of those deals where it's like you can't do that to our pledges. Only we can do that to our pledges. You can do it. We I enjoyed just, it. I just did it. Le- Lebetard and I have argued about it a lot in the past. So that's all. That's all. I think okay. we can move past it. Is there anything you would like to do, Vilma? Do wow. you have notes? I do have I, notes. I saw you just broke yeah, out. Yeah, you saw me bro- break out my notes. We've got like two minutes here in the segment. Well, we do a little hoops. I'm just saying, we, say I, I actually do work and research. You know? What are Vilma's notes I for do, Friday show? I do work. I do research. I do watch film and stuff. So, you know, when people are like, oh, what is this guy talking about? I, I actually no, I know, know you what I'm talking about. No, I know you do. You asked a question at the talent meeting on Wednesday. That surprised a bunch of us. Yeah. And uh, I got... Uh, flack from Ryan Clark because he was like, you can't ask questions at the talent meeting. That's like an assembly. You can't ask questions. I was like, dude, we, if this is serious stuff. I need to know. I need to know. Okay, for those that don't understand, on Wednesday, every single talent, everybody that talks on the air All or 500 in print, seriously, like 500 people, we were yeah. told numerous times the greatest collection of talent ever, and we're not even talking about the Warriors. Um, And it was impressive. It was kind of fun. I actually thought they did a it great was. job with it. But Vilma... Like if you had, like if there were odds on who was going to ask a question to like look good in front of the company, I was not trying to look good, <laughs> not, not not at all. You know where it stemmed from? We turned around, we're like, wait a minute, is that Vilma asking the first question in an assembly of five? So Ryan yeah. Clark told you not to ask the question after you did it. After I did it, he said I should not have done that. Uh, I a hundred percent disagree with him, and we got into a debate about that because I said, well, remember the the. The topics, and one of the topics was politics, Mm -hmm. and not to bring politics into ESPN. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying not to, right? (laughs) And the the interesting thing is that I agree with it, because I was like, you know what? When I was a kid, and I was younger, teenager, I watched ESPN to watch sports and get away from whatever else is going on outside the world. You had a bad day, whatever's going on, right? Yeah, like the caucus. Right. Right. So uh, then, of course, we had some political movements and things transpire. Somebody became president, and then you know somebody, he, sta- he started. He started bringing. I'm, I'm just saying he started yeah, right, bringing right. sports. Yep, and politics together. So you you had actually a great question. It was so a great was, question. Yeah. So my question was: if a high political figure starts to bring <laughs> sports into politics, and then forces us to respond or defend ourselves, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. What's how, up now? How should we proceed? And guess what? They said we can go. It's <clears throat> what do you say? It's fair game right. after that yeah. point. Once they so, brought it up, whoever well, that could be. Yeah. Skipper, brought, Skipper said it is fair game. And I said, good. So because I would hate to be 
I, I'm not even one of the people on, you know, like a Stuart uh, Scott or, you know, yeah, I'm not one of those guys, but I would hate to be, you know, let's just say it's, uh, I don't know. Give me, give me any one of the shows on ESPN. Uh, we'll just take first take. All right. Okay. First take, right. So first take, let's, I would hate to be on first take and, uh, Donald Trump says something related to sports or whatever it is, obviously something controversial. And then you're not allowed to talk about it or you're not allowed to discuss it or you're not allowed to at least combat it. Yeah. All right. No, the question, the question made a lot of sense. I felt like after that, I was like, man, Vilma looked really smart with that one. And then you were wondering, would somebody else raise their hand and go like, how are the day to day operations day to day? You know, and, <laughs> and they would go, we just, we just spent two hours on that. The Ryan Rossillo show. Joining us now, a man that knows uh, my co-host pretty well here. We've been lucky enough to talk to Vince Wolfork a bunch of times, but I don't know. I almost want to get out of the way as the two of you guys get out of here. <laughs> Vince, what's up, man? What's going on, boss? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're watching right now. Do you see those two ribs hats that we put for you? We got the U helmet and we got the ribs hats for you. So tell us a little bit about the ribs hat. You know, I'm always messing with you too about it when I see your commercials. Man, you know, everybody. <laughs> so, so I, I just, oh, back in, you know, um, you know, last year I hooked up with Kings for, they reached out to me and we just did a little something. And um, I'm good to say that, you know, my, my relationship with Kingsford is pretty good, you know, and really, you know how I, you know how I roll when I cook, dude. <laughs> yes, baby. So it was just something fun that we put together, knowing that I like the barbecue um, and basically. Kingsford no, but see, you, you're trying to downplay it. So Vince says he likes barbecue. Vince gets excited when when you talk about like some good barbecue. Vince gets excited, and he's. And I'm not gonna make fun of you. I'm not gonna do your mannerisms, but I'm telling you, he, him, and barbecue, him and food. If it's good food, you'll know. You'll know it's some good food. Absolutely. Look, I mean, I've seen the big Y ads. I'm up here in in New England, so I've I've seen him with Vince for a while. Who was uh Vince? Who's a better basketball player? You or Vilma? Me, Vilma just played football, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> Vince, are you serious right now? Are you? Are you? We used to have pickup games. We used to have pickup games. Did you? Did you not see my explosion on the court in the pickup games? That don't have anything to do with nothing. Have you seen my explosion on the court? On part? <laughs> Listen, I used to beat. I used to beat Vince in basketball, pool. I know you remember that. You used to kill him in pool. I did not. Did I? You lying on your on your radio show to make yourself sound pretty good. <laughs> So I'm gonna let you roll with. Because I love you, brother. Oh man! So was it? What is it? The is this like a big brother, little brother thing? No, you guys no, 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 brother, brother, brother. Okay. brother. We right. we love each other like a brother, brother, brother thing. But man, uh, Vince, I, I will say though, so all honesty, Vince was, uh, if not the best tackle, one of the best tackles I played with. And this was all I'm talking dating back to college. I saw Vince real. As serious as a heart attack, I saw Vince on a third and short one time, our senior year. He may not remember this. He literally, this third and short, jumped over the lineman at the snap. He was in a four-point stance, jumped over the lineman, and made the tackle to stop the running back for a one-yard gain on a third and short. I swear to God, I looked at him and I was like, wow. It was him, Sean Taylor, and DJ Williams were probably the three most freakish athletes I had seen. Andre Johnson, too, but... Uh, on yeah, defensive but, side, those three were probably the most freakish athletes I ever seen. But you know the thing, you know the thing with us, John is 
And I tell people all the time how different University of Miami is because we always competed at the highest level with one another. It yep. wasn't so when we played against people, it was like a practice for us because we saw the best of the best in practice. And, you know, we always pushed each other. I remember I remember we used to get up in five thirty, six o'clock in the morning just to work out and, yep. and get it done. But we were so dedicated to being the best. You know, and um I I, some of my best teammates come from college. I mean, hands down, uh, being being around some of the best, being around my brothers, being around a chance to grow with one another, man. Uh, those were the best times of my football career, man, being in college with a bunch of you guys. And even to this day, we remain close friends. Like, we, we're brothers. No matter where we go and who we play against or who we play with, we always brothers, man. And um, I, I cherish those memories, and I, I talk to a lot of people that want to know about, you know, what we did in college and, you know, how we did it and stuff. And I say, you know, you can never take away the fact of what we had and what we did in college and to make us the best, man. And we, you know, it just came down to uh, each one of us is being dedicated to each other and to the game and being passionate about what we did and love. And uh, we pushed one another. So that's why we were good. And that's why it wasn't surprising to see that we had successful NFL careers because we were taught the right way. We had that competitive edge over everyone that we did not want to be defeated. So if you look at, you know, NFL now and back in the days, uh, you would see some of the baddest players that ever played the game with hurricanes and the longevity and in what we did because we were passionate in the body, man. So um, that's something that I'm always going to, you know, remember and, and cherish and tell stories because those times I love, you know, those were times that where we worked out and we pushed each other and we were pissed off at each other. We, we, we fought, we, we did everything that brothers do. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we fought for all, for one cause is to win. And we did a lot of that. We're talking to Vince Wilfork here, the Rosillo Show with Jonathan Vilma. And I'm just going back to that being competitive because I, Vince, you're never going to remember this. Maybe I brought this up once before, but when you were drafted in, in, uh, 04 and you went 21st, I was the first person to interview you. I was actually in Foxborough at the time doing a draft show mm-hmm. on that day. And really, if people, you'll remember this, but if people remember how the draft worked out, how'd you come out? Like people thought it was weird that you even went 21st and you were the yeah. sixth pick. In the first round, so of the six of the t- the top twenty one picks were Canes, and yep. so you know Sean went fifth, Kellen went sixth, right, and then I went twelve. You went twelfth. DJ yep. went seventeenth. <laughs> Vernon Carey went. How it's mad nice. were you that all these dudes were going ahead of you when pissed. you would come out a year before? <laughs> like you were supposed to go ahead of all those guys. <laughs> he was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. He, he was, was pissed. pissed. I remember. You know, being sitting there and seeing all my buddies getting picked. And some of them actually came to my draft day party. And I remember talking with DJ. DJ really didn't know what to say to me. And they just saw my face, how bad I was. And I got picked by New England. And I remember talking to my defensive coordinator at the time, uh, Randy Shannon. He said, don't be mad because you're going to be the first one to win the Super Bowl. So don't be mad. And I was like, man, I don't know. I ain't trying to hit that man's coach. Hey, man. Wait, Bernie before me? I'm glad Bernie before me because right. I hated the doctor. 
Hey, I'm telling you, I remember. I, I so wait a minute, it. DJ's at your draft party, and he gets drafted at your party yeah. before you. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I'm pissed off. Hey, I how mean, about I'm... this? I, I called Vince to congratulate him. So <laughs> I called Vince. I'm like, Vince, man, congrats, man. I'm going to play you twice a year. He's like, man, what the hell? <laughs> I should have been trying to say, what the hell going on? I was like, uh, all right, Vince, I'll talk to you. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those. I was pissed off. Uh, you know, and after talking to Randy Shannon and after I was, a Super Bowl, I was like, okay. Yeah, nah, you didn't have right. to bring that up. Everybody knew that you won the Super Bowl. You didn't have to bring that up. All right. I was like, who? <laughs> hey. uh, it worked out for the best. You know, I couldn't have a, uh, one of the better careers that I had uh, without, you know, my roots basically growing up and loving the game, um, going to high school, playing in, you know, my hometown, Santa Lucia's at the time. Now we have probably like three high schools and then going to the University of Miami and play with all my buddies that 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 just like I said, we always took it to a whole other level. Then getting drafted by New England and being coached by Bill Belichick and it was just my career couldn't win any better than it did. So uh, I'm happy yeah. to be you know, retire and, and, and live a good life man. Hey, no doubt, Vince, and really appreciate the time. I got to tell you, for a kid just coming out of school, disappointed where you get drafted, you faked it great on the radio. We thought you were pumped. <laughs> so there was, you couldn't tell how disappointed you were when I interviewed you, what, 13 years ago? Yeah, yeah, but I had, I had to fake the phone, but I was pissed. <laughs> you did a great job. All right, Big B, man. I appreciate you, man. All love, brother. Now that Human Resources Director Fernando Pino has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's completely crushing it. He even has his own hype song. Supporting our entire workforce, everyone has different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. Motivating and engaging our people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. I'm on the top, I'm gonna rise up. I'm on the top, top, I'm gonna rise up. I'm on the top. Ryan Show. All right, this is going to be fun. We got Damian Woody. He came in early. He always stops by the Rosillo Show early. That's why we love him so much. He's decked out. We got Vilma in studio. So Damian Woody and Vilma, and now Jalen Rose on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. What is up, my man? How are you, Jalen? What up, though? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> so you got to be ready. You got two guys with Super Bowl rings in here, just wanting to fire NBA questions at you. So uh, last night. Was fun. I'm, I'm MLB, NFL. Done. Okay. That's what, all right, Jalen. Whatever you want to do. Derek That's Peter that Detroit coming out. Retire <laughs> by doing the Yankees a favor, wherever you want to go. Okay. Right. Jalen, remember, five days a week bringing it. So if I look at last night's game and then everybody going, oh, you know, we all knew LeBron was going to just tell Lonzo just real stuff, basic, you know, kind of information here. But then everybody runs with it and then be like, okay, that means he wants to end up out, out in L.A. You talk to a lot of people. You know, I talk to some people around the league. Like, I'm still of the – 
the belief or at least understanding that we still don't really know what LeBron is going to do. So what is the most important thing? What is the kind of stuff that you hear that sways you about what kind of decision he could make after the playoffs this year? So here's the thing about LeBron James. I'm noticing a guy who's the best player in the game, hasn't played arguably better at any point in his career, more efficient from three, finishing at the hoop, averaging as many assists as ever, as many rebounds as ever. He's just planting seeds around the league. When he leaves Houston, he hugs up with Chris Paul, who's the godfather of his kids. Then we're going to speculate about Houston. When he plays against the Los Angeles Lakers, he puts his jersey up over his mouth. He tossed the Lonzo ball. LeBron leaves New York City. What does he do? IG post, Kings of New York. So I think what he's truly doing is keeping his options open but in reality, I would not be surprised if he ultimately stays in Cleveland with all things equal. Hey, Jay, listen, I I don't even care about the other team. I'm all about the Lake Show. I make no bones about it. I've repped the, <laughs> I've repped the purple and gold. And my here's my thing. When we talk about Lonzo Ball and, and how unselfish he is uh, as far as distributing the ball, he ne- definitely needs to work on the jump shot. But my bigger question is, do the Lakers have the pieces to attract like two max contracts? Because I'm looking at it as okay, this summer it's time to take it to that next level. If I'm if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, well, I have some bad news for you and your purple and gold. They oh, man, have the on. cachet and the history to attract basically any player, but the reality of it is, who's actually a realistic option? I don't see LeBron James going to play in Los Angeles in a rebuilding situation for a squad that has Kuzma and Brandon Ingram as the second and third best player. So you look across the landscape and say, who's going to be a free agent? Paul George has already acknowledged that he loved to play in L.A. Boogie Cousins is going to be a free agent. Can you get him from New Orleans? Possibly. Now, if that is able to happen, then it's more legitimate. I don't necessarily see that taking place to the point where winning because in this scenario when you go to Los Angeles people look at you now to be the savior but the Golden State Warriors have four all-stars so if you're going to knock them off if you're going to knock the Houston Rockets off if you're going to compete with the greatness of the San Antonio Spurs you're going to need multiple all-stars and I just don't see that level of collection of talent going to LA unless LeBron and CP3 and Paul George just all team up and say we're going to go play there but I think that's a long shot well, going back to LeBron, Jalen, why does he need to plant seeds? He is the best player in the NBA, clearly. One of the best players of all time. What is If he tells Cleveland at the end of the season, look, Cleveland, give me X or I'm going here, why does he even need to take time to plant seeds throughout the league? The reason why he does that is control. Really, I've talked about, if you look at the Eastern Conference, LeBron James, as he rose to dominance, either dismantled the competition, an older Celtics victory, an older Detroit Pistons squad that was really successful, or disabled other Hall of Famers like Dwayne Wade, wouldn't play with him, wouldn't play with Chris Bosh, and then other players that are going into the Hall of Fame and were in the East at the same time, like a Carmelo Anthony, wasn't able to build anything to create a rivalry with Amari Stoudemire, and obviously Paul George and Derrick Rose weren't able to do it either. So that's who LeBron is. On a night-to-night basis, 
not only does he get a chance to be the best player in the game, but don't underestimate Rich Paul, his really good friend, represents a ton of players around the league. So he also becomes big brother to Ben Simmons and Eric Bledsoe. And the list goes on and on of players that, whether they're represented by Clutch Sports or they come through the LeBron James Skills Academy. So he gets a chance to play big brother as well. So he gets a chance to touch all of the bases and uh, control pretty much like a puppet master what's happening around the league. We're talking with Jalen Rose, part of NBA Countdown. Again, that coverage tonight starts at 7 Eastern Thunder Sixers. That's part of our Sixers All-Access Day on today on ESPN. Since I have you three guys with me, again, Vilma, Woody, and Jalen Rose on the phone here. Jalen, you move teams. Vilma, you bounce from the Jets. Damien, I remember your deal going to the Jets, but that was deciding to leave New England for Detroit at the time. Jalen, I'll start with you, and I want you guys to just jump in. When did you know it was time? Like, for sometimes for you, Jalen, you just straight out traded, but like, when did you start thinking, okay, this means I need to move on to another franchise? Well, in basketball, normally, if you're a popular player, regardless of your, I guess, salary, which means you have fans and people wearing your jersey, what they start to do is trash your name publicly and talk about things that people don't aren't necessarily able to quantify, like how's his attitude, how's his practice habits, how's he in the locker room, to justify moving you. So once you get moved, people like, that's why they moved them. It makes sense now. So in basketball, it kind of works that way because you don't necessarily trade player for player. Nowadays, you just trade in salaries. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I remember when I, it was about time for me to move from the Jets, the stories came out that I don't fit the 3-4 defense. And uh, Boom. We, you got you to gotta move on from that. But I remember personally it was time – when the one day I woke up, had a good night's sleep, felt good, but I woke up and said, I don't want to go to work. That was the first time ever in wow. my career, training camp, college, high school, the first time ever I woke up and said, I don't want to go to work. And that's when I knew. That's actually when I actually I called my agent that day and said, it, it's not going to work. This this can't be the, my, my career right here, so we got to do something. That was the first time. <laughs> Mine was all about the money. <laughs> my, 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 listen, mine was all about the bottom dollar. The, the year I left New England after the 2003 season, but the year, but, um, before the season started, you know, they tried, we tried to negotiate a contract. We just couldn't come to terms. And the policy was that you, we, we weren't going to negotiate during the season. So, you know, fast forward, we go on and, you know, uh, we win the Super Bowl that year. I make the Pro Bowl. And I remember after the Super Bowl going into Coach Belichick's office and Bill was in there along with the GM, Scott Pioli, and they were they basically were like, you know, man, we really want you back, but you're saying one thing, your agent's saying another thing. I'm thinking in my head, okay, I see what time it is. And they were like, oh, okay, well, we're going to let you test the market. Well, when you say test the market – Literally, I threw up the deuce. I went into the <laughs> locker room. I went into the locker room and I grabbed a black trash bag. And I remember Willie McGinnis like, bro, where are you going? I'm like, I'm out of here. And he just started laughing like, yeah, okay. I'm like, I guarantee you will not see me step foot in this locker room again. I cleaned out my locker and literally like two weeks later, I was signing a deal in Detroit. So, Deuces. It, yeah, man, I'm like, man, listen, I'm not about to take this hometown discount. I got to be able to feed, no uh, pay these bills. I got kids. I, I got ki- my wife and I, we got kids, man, that we got to put through school. I so that. I had to get that bread. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Did you have to get that bread too? Um, 
You know, Belichick did let me test the market. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> did, that worked really out matter. for you. Worked out. Got uh, it. Jalen, have fun tonight. This all-access stuff you're doing is awesome. And then with two teams like the Thunder and the Sixers tonight, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks so much for your time, man. Thanks for the love, fun group. And Damien, you can buy a lot of rings on eBay. Always get the money. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Jonathan Vilma approves. Damian Woody hanging as well. The Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio. I want to remind you, we got you covered right here for bowl game action. Tune in for this game coming up tomorrow for the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. That's followed by the Gildan New Mexico Bowl and the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl. Coverage begins at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPNRadio.com, and the ESPN app. Vilma was trying to explain to me, Woody, that, okay, Pittsburgh. The way they seem to defend New England, Tom just mouth-watering, kickoff, I'm going to dice you guys up. Yep. Who knows? I mean, maybe teams get mad, things are inconsistent. But he was telling me, like, defensively, it's really hard for you to just become a different defense and implement all new things based on the matchup. So how would you see that offensively when you would notice, okay, something hasn't been working, and now they're going to try this completely different thing against uh, some of the quarterbacks that you're playing with? Well, I mean, a lot of teams have tendencies. You know, that's why we do, like, four-game breakdowns. And teams... Over over that time, they kind of do the same, you know, some same type of things in down and distances. And and Jonathan Vilma will tell you like third down six plus they run this, these run these schemes and you know so on and so forth. So when they start deviating off of that, then it's just like hmm, okay. Uh, well, who was the most predictable? Like who did you think was the most predictable on defense? And then you go offense, like coordinator scheme, yeah, team or scheme. Give me team. I, I would say scheme, like scheme wise, I would say like um. Like, like when Tony Dungy was playing that Tampa two, you know what they were running every play basically. They they weren't changing. Tony, like Tony Dungy, uh, Herm, Herm, they because they all came from that same yeah. school. Um, they just what was they that? just played fast. What was that? They just depended on their their front guys get after the quarterback. It was literally um, rush the passer and play the run on the way. Right. That's when they had like that's sure. when they had like Warren Sapp and. Simeon Rice, they had like some some ballers on the defensive line, and then, Booger was on that, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. Booger, Booger, Booger was, was on that. Yep, Booger was on it. And, you know, so they had John Lynch at safety. You know, all that type of stuff. And Brooks that, was was still like, even Brooks, though he's bigger, he was kind of like athletic enough to run around. Brooks, he was oh, never big. Derek Brooks was small. Uh, Brooks is my Derek, size. Derek Brooks is your small. Well, I see. Yeah, Derek Brooks was like well, first. I'm bigger than you. Let's be clear about that. So I'm not that small. <laughs> so let's be very clear about that. I'm bigger than you. Second. Derek Brooks was my size, yes. You wait, gosh, I don't know. I guess Derek Brooks seen... was like two twenty, two twenty five. When I yeah. see him now, though, is he? No, huh? he's not bigger. I, I well, Maybe. I haven't seen him in a couple. Maybe he years, changed but... up his diet. I just thought, I just thought he looked Every, bigger now. Everything about him and that defense was speed. Okay, all right. So, all about. who'd yeah. you think was predictable then? Uh, no scheme was predictable. The the quarterback that had the marquee player, like a Calvin Johnson, Matt Matthew Stafford. Like a uh, Tony Gonzalez when he was with Kansas City and Atlanta, when uh, or Antonio Gates, you knew on third down that's where he's going. That that's his comfort zone. That's his outlet. So we would make sure that we would double that guy and then figure out where they're going to go with the ball after that. So it always take about you know a quarter, quarter and a half if we're playing one of those teams and say, all right, look, we're going to double just on third down. We're doubling Tony. Period. And then let's see where Matt Ryan goes with the ball now. Let's see what the coordinator does. Because I mean, listen. When you open up a game, most teams, especially offensively, you have like plays that are scripted. 
that 10, 15 plays are scripted. Yep. But as the game progresses, you go and back and, and you, you always you revert are. back to who you are. That's right. And it's, if it's that matchup, the quarterback's going to look for his guy. And I think that's what, that's one reason it's hard to defend the Patriots because they're from week to week, they morph into different things. They go one week, they could be feeding Brandon Cooks. Another week, they could be feeding, you know, Gronk. Then they could be feeding the running backs out of the backfield. You yeah. just don't know from week to week how they're going to attack you. I mentioned that Kevin Falk was yeah. my toughest cover. Yeah. Toughest cover because he was a guy. He was like the, like Deion Lewis with Deion Lewis. Exactly. Now. You could put him in the slot. You run him out the back. He run every route out of the backfield, seam route included. Put him in the slot. And like you said, it can go three weeks where he wasn't the main focus. And then next thing you know, it's like, damn it. <laughs> he, he's the guy today. He's the guy. What was it like dealing with Vilma for you, Woody? Speed. Like he was the was one he, thing he, he was, he was athletic and very high football IQ. See guys with high football IQ, they, they, they diagnose plays quick. So as an office lineman, you know that. I can't get hung up in the trash. I got to get up there and get on this guy. Because if I don't, then he's going to make every tackle. It's kind of like Luke, like mm-hmm. Luke Keekley is like that. He yeah. is His football IQ is just through the roof, and he's able to diagnose plays and make the tackle, and, you know, the big uglies can't get to him. Yeah, to that point, my mindset is I don't want to be with him. I don't right. he, don't, he doesn't want to lean on He doesn't want to lean on me all, all game. <laughs> exactly. that's, playing, that's playing to my, my advantage. All right. How, did, he, did Vilma talk a lot? No, he wasn't like that. What about Woody Vilma? No. See, I, I, because I, I told Ryan like way back. I said, there, you get the lineman. They always do a little extra after play and all that. I get that. You know, I, I accept that. So I never really talked a lot of trash afterwards. First, I had too much to think about anyway. So my whole thing was make the play. All right, a little shove after the play, whatever. I, I, I got to figure out like the personnel down a distance. I, I'm see, not worried I, about that. See, I talk trash like. If somebody comes at me, then, then it's on. It's on and popping. Then, then I'm. Then we're definitely yapping the whole game. But like, it does nothing to me. Like, talk to linebackers. Like, you're smaller than me. Like, I I can crush you. Like me, I like, I like talking trash. Thanks, to like the thanks, big guy. Yeah, that makes yeah, me feel I like so talking good. trash to the big guys because you know I can get you and you can get me. It's that's just the competition of it. I have to admit, just as a guy who watches, when I see the enormous guys get messed with with like a slot receiver, yes. It has to infuriate the big guys so much. Well, you know, like, no, you know you're but you know what? But you gapping. know what the problem is? You know what the problem? Here's the problem: it's always the little guys that start things, but they never finish. They never finish. They never. Finish. They do all the talking, and all somehow the they yapping. always back out. And, like, and then, once it gets but going. once you once you watch it like on yes. film or the TV copy, they're <laughs> yeah. like in the back. But we're the big guys. We're the ones, you know. Uh, slamming people, throwing punches, doing stuff like that, and they're the ones in the back just kind of watching like, mm-hmm, look what I started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who you got? You got the Pats this weekend or Steelers? Man, it's a close one, man. This is gonna be a it's gonna be a hell of a game, man. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say the pack uh, the, the Patriots until until so the Steelers wait, 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 until wait, wait, the Steelers why, can, why 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 um Steelers gotta be able to crack the code. The one thing the Patriots do they take they make you play left handed. Okay. They, you know, traditionally. So you think that they can stop Antonio Brown? Patriots can stop Antonio Brown. I think they can slow him down enough. And and Le'Veon Bell. Yes, that's a it's a tall task. I was say, that's it a is tall a tall task. task. But 
Still, Patriots got to steal his number. That I like true. I like that, that against true. Le'Veon more than most teams, even though I don't love their personnel on the front right now. But I remember talking with Brewski before the playoff game last year, and he was great at this. Yeah, and he was so animated, and we were behind the set at Sports Center. I go, "What do you guys do with Le'Veon? That's different." He goes, "All week, all week, Bill will be saying, don't let his patience and and allow you to be impatient. So if you let him get a yard or two, tackle, wrap him up, done." But if we're tackling him three, four yards behind the line of scrimmage, that's bad because that means we're all rushing out to go get him, and then we're going to be out of our, our assignments. He goes, right. that whole thing will be let him read off of him. Like, don't basically, freak out. Basically build, build a wall. Yeah. Just build right. a wall against him because he's mm-hmm. going to be dancing back there, and the minute one person poke, poke their head in the wrong gap, he's gone. And I think the Pats, even though, again, not liking the personnel, they're, they're better disciplined with that kind of stuff than most teams are. They just seem to do it week in, week out. Are you okay. taking the Steelers? You seem like you, you're I, I am taking, you're the, taking Steelers. the Steelers. I yeah. am taking the Steelers. I'm yeah. taking the Steelers. Uh, I, I know, I hear all the 4 0. I get that. But the Steelers are very talented and, and can score literally from any position. That, that's what, that's what I look at when I'm like, all right, even if you stop one position, the running back, for example, they can still get off in the passing game or vice versa. So I think that they cracked the code. Good stuff. Hey, you're awesome. Good to come back, all right? Thank you, Damien. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast.